0: Life Audio. Hey, it's time for Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and I will be right with you in just a moment after this. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not
1: your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth.
0: Hello, everybody. Happy Monday from uh, good old Nashville, Tennessee today. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. This is the place where you're going to find real girls having real talk about real issues while seeking to figure out how real faith applies, where it applies, when it applies. It always applies. So (laughs) the question becomes for us around here is how we actually live in our identity as believers, as Christians in the world today, when the world around us is, you know, wonky and falling apart. And sometimes there are just bad weeks and bad days. And I've had a doozy of one myself. And, you know, you guys don't don't get it, but but my my tribe here, my sisters often do before we start when we're in studio getting prepped to go live on these on these days for you. And uh, you know, it's like Mama always told me there'd be days like this as the country Western song goes. (laughs) But uh, so it's not worth really talking about because there's one thing that I can do and there's one place that I can go. And that is always a place of uh, peace and deliverance. If I go there and if i do what it is that i know to do. and so we're here to share what we know to do with all of you listening because i dare say that some of you have had bad days. some of you've had a bad week. some of you are looking at the news and it's just a freak out like it's crazy. it's crazy to me that Tucker Carlson's on twitter and you you, you know you have some of the other people doing what they do on television but a voice of truth is being silenced. There's, it's a crazy world that we live in. So I'm going to get the girls in studio in here real quick before I go off the rails on a rant today because Christina Reynolds and Christina Boutreau, I find that if we just keep our eyes on the Jesus we love, then the world around us and the people that we want to like knock upside the head with a baseball bat sometimes, it gets really small you know, it gets really small. So I am happy to have with me today in studio, Christina Reynolds, who's an incredible sister in Christ, an incredible friend, an incredible wife, a mom, and an amazingly talented singer songwriter. So you guys, you just need to check out all things Reynolds. Um, <laughs> her TikTok, I shuffle mamas. I love life with the Reynolds. Are you guys still doing life with the Reynolds?
2: No. Why? Change of season.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're in hiatus this season. I wish you were, Christina, because I love, I love your shows. I do. They bring me joy. You know, it's, I think it's like the encouragement of seeing a family who's just living right. You know? Mm it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. And of course, in pink, bringing it, bring bringing up the, the, the crowd up top on the screen today. If you're watching us on live stream here on Cynthia Garrett Ministries, YouTube channel, or you might be on Salem. Thank you, Salem. And you may be listening on one of the many podcast platforms that we're on. We're on all of them. So tune in. And if you're not here with us live Interacting and commenting weekly. Please make sure you listen to us on podcasts and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Now, the business is out of the way. Christina Boudreau, welcome in studio today. Christina, as Mm -hmm. most of you know, is a member of the Whosoever's. Uh, She spends a lot of her time doing the work of an evangelist. And I say doing the work of an evangelist because that's what she does, she works she's traveling all over the world and she's bringing the gospel to people in some really dark places who just need to have the light of hope shined in their eyes for them to see and for them to be able to follow their way through to a better life. And so I just think it's always an honor and a blessing to have you here, sister. I love being here. Good to see you guys. Yeah, it's good to see you too. You know, last week we started this conversation about really like going back to our first love you know and like what do you do to get there when you just feel so distant from like a very present god that many of you most of you have had an experience with where you have those moments that you can remember those love moments and going back to those moments where he reveals his love to you is so important and um we shared a little bit about those moments for us and you know, all of it was kind of an illustration of the first, I think, most important thing you can do to actually, you know, get back to your first love, surround yourself with others who love Jesus. And that's why every Monday, this is such a cool place for me to be because we're essentially surrounding ourselves with others who love Jesus with each other. And so, um, in this, I just want to remind you, in the second chapter of Revelation, Jesus addressed the church of Ephesus, and he congratulated them for their discernment with leaders and the way that they had endured hardship. Like, you know, they were doing okay. And I think some of us are doing okay. But he also had these words. And he said, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. That's found in Revelation 2, verses 4. I encourage you to read all of what God says to the churches in Revelation, because in all honesty, it's all represented right here on earth today. And we have this very present danger of just falling out of love with Jesus little by little. I mean, we live in a world, and you guys know this when you look at Instagram or TV or politics we kind of live in a society certainly here in America where we're seeing faith prosecuted we're seeing Christians persecuted we're seeing we're seeing some crazy stuff you know we're seeing literally satanic agendas celebrated while Christian family values and just loving each other and and no matter what your lifestyle is i mean Christians have always been about loving others you know we are so i don't understand why some of these people groups feel the need to persecute us today, but we're being persecuted, you know? Um, so I guess, you know, what I'd love to hear is kind of a comment, you guys, just about, first of all, how your week went. And secondly, you know, how do you deal with the persecutions that you see in the world around you? Like, how do you keep your, your confidence as a Christian? Yeah.
1: You know, Cynthia, right now I'm in, um, this is my personal Devo time. I'm going through uh, the book of Ezra. And I think Ezra is such a fitting, the book of Ezra is so fitting for what you just asked, because um, they actually went to rebuild the temple of God in the midst of a pagan world, you know, like, like when Babylon had taken over, which right now a lot of people are saying, like, in a sense that Babylon has taken over our world, like, the, the dark princes of this world, you know, Satan and all his minions have truly are sitting on the thrones of this world right now. And we are under the umbrella of a very corrupt government, very corrupt leaders. But in the midst of that, God gave a commandment for them to go and rebuild the temple. And in the midst of them rebuilding the temple, there was such persecution. There was people that tried to discourage their work. There was people that threatened their livelihood. Uh, There is one king that said, yes, you can go build the temple. And there was another king after that that said, no, you can't build the temple and threaten them. Then the king after that said, yes, you can build the temple. And so they were constantly in this like up and down thing. And I feel like as Christians, we're living in that world where we have one president or one governor or my friends from England, you know, I know you have like monarchies and prime ministers. You might have one that's for you. And then the next season, someone else is elected that doesn't have Christian values, but how do you continue to walk the straight line? And one thing I was really encouraged with is that in Ezra chapter three, that um, it says the rebuilding of the altar, but basically what they did is that the foundation of everything that they did was worship. And it said that they, made sacrifices to the Lord day and night, day and night, day and night. And no matter what opposition they had, they never stopped worshiping the Lord. And they kept that fire alive just through a worship and adoration to the Lord. And I felt like that was a word for me in the season as I'm going into just um, heavy season again with modeling and in a very pagan world. Um, going overseas a lot in this next season, going into cartel schools in Chile again Going to India once again, you know, next month where there's a lot of threats being made to the Christians there and really asking the Lord, how do I keep this flame alive in my life? I've asked the Lord that God, how am I going to keep the flame alive when there's going to be a lot of persecution, when there's a lot of people that uh, would want to hedge us in? And the Lord just encouraged me like, Christina, you keep the flame alive through worship, like through and how do you keep a flame alive? You got to keep putting fuel on it. You got to keep like putting wood on it. And the wood is like the word. The fuel is like the spirit and the fire is like our love for God. And if your flame is really small, you know, the enemy can quench it, you know, but if your flame has been sustained over time and you, and you sustain a flame, I believe not with just building a big fire at once, but just slowly, like daily, you know, putting more wood, more sticks, more flame. And so I would say, that's the big way is that you have to have your own devotional life daily with the Lord, just like the Israelites did in the book of Ezra, day and night, night and day, Um, just loving the Lord and worshiping Him day and night. So,
0: yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you said you, you know you speak about Ezra and Nehemiah and rebuilding the wall, Christina and and. You know, while I'm, while I'm having tech challenges around here this morning, I, I, I'm kind of floored by that because, Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the wall has always been pretty significant to me because I feel like the Lord told me that that was what our family was called to do what um, my husband and son and I were called to do. And and we were in a season of his life when he was at the University of Kansas when I got this very clear message. And I was like, I don't really understand, Lord, there must be some significance. And so I started studying Nehemiah. And the rebuilding of the wall, some scholars uh, explained to me at that time, and I love it. And I, I've always thought about it in this way as well. The rebuilding of the wall was also the rebuilding of faith. It was restoring the faith of the Israelites and the promises of God and who God was. And I think about that wall and I, there's so much to me in it. You know, walls are about protection. Walls are about boundaries. You know, walls are about keeping inside what needs to be kept inside and keeping outside what needs to be kept outside. And there were so many pagan influences and so much secularism on the other side of those walls, you know, that, that they were building and they were, and it was also, they were building up their own faith again, you know, and it is interesting because the only reason we drift from our first love is when our faith has kind of waned, you know, it's easy to drift and to find yourself out at sea, you know? Um, I love, so I love what you have to say about that. And I, I, there's so much significance in the rebuilding of the wall. You know, I think, I think we're called, each of us is called to rebuild the wall every day in our
2: own communities. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. if we each do our part, the bigger wall gets built.
2: Yeah. I love, I love Hearing you share about this Christina because you're real you're literally in the thick of it out there in the deepest, darkest places, preaching the gospel, you know being shining your light in that place, and like I feel like that's such a gift to be able to have that because on the other end, you know I'm thinking of Darren Wilson's film that just came out the god man and and how he was sharing, or I think it was Robbie Dawkins or someone who was sharing about how they had brought some. Some people from was it Iraq or Iran or somewhere where they they, they were being, yeah, they were being very intensely persecuted for their faith, and and how they were weeping for him, you know, being like, and he was like, oh, are you sad because you have to go back to that oppressive place? And like, no, we're weeping for you because you have all this freedom, and yet you don't share the gospel. You're not living, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's just like there's a stark difference in the way that you um, walk out your Christianity and it's not as vibrant and as on fire, like you're saying, Christina, as it is where there's tons of persecution. And like, I feel like that's such an indictment towards me as well. Just being American, having the freedom, like to just do whatever I want. Like I live in the Midwest. So you walk down the street, you drive down the street, you have like, it's like a buffet of churches. You can have mm-hmm. whatever you want. You know, now you live in, in Nashville, Cynthia. And it's like, I, I can't believe when we came to visit and we are just, You know, one of the girls that we visited all together, I was like walking through down the streets of Franklin and like everyone you ran into was a Christian and like there's worship music playing in the, in, in, in the, uh, in the stores. And I'm like, I'm shook. This is crazy, you know? But I do, I will say that like, in terms of like being ready for that. And like, we already know Jesus has already said, like, there's coming, there's going to be trials and tribulations. And like, there's a blessing for undergoing persecution. There's, you know, there's a reward for this. So like, it's gonna happen, you know? And I think in America, we're starting to see just a little, we're tasting just a little bit of persecution. We're not, we're not being burned down in our churches yet. And that's happening right now in different places of the world. We're not being hauled off to concentration camps, which is happening in other places in the world. And um, and that's scary. But I think for me, like, you know, in like 2021, like everything shut down and it's like churches were shut down and like, and then there was like this uproar with the church, the church like, we're gonna take a stand. And like Sean Foy, he's like, well then you're not gonna silence us from our worship. We're gonna hit the streets. And we're like, it was this huge, like protests against the world in a beautiful way that was expressed beautifully and i was telling my husband i was like this makes me want to be a christian something to die for like i I think it's like christianity has been so whatever it's like a choice out of like a hundred different ice cream flavors it like doesn't really hold weight in america because it's just whatever it's easy it's comfortable it's just almost like a cultural lifestyle you know it's like a badge Mm -hmm. that you wear to be a christian but When when it comes down to your life and your money is put on the line, your reputation is put on the line, when something is put on the line and it's actually something that you have to die for, whether it's in your flesh or your finances or your fame or at your actual physical life, like that to me gives weight to being a Christian. Like I've over as you know, it's been a little bit more hostile towards like Christian values, I felt even more like I'm so proud to follow Jesus because now it now it means something it's making people angry like it means something now whereas before it was like everyone was like yeah i'm a christian i love god i love and then we have like no idea like what god are you talking about i mm. love love but it's like so i i'm not even sure what the question is but i feel like as persecution is going to rise and increase i think the lord will give so much grace for when that moment or those moments happen where you're getting hurt and, or I don't know, like, I I just remember stories. Like, I'm sure you guys heard, like, I think, were they in, in Portland? Like when Sean Foy was in Portland, I don't know if it's Portland or another, like very like West coast, very liberal area. And like, there were people in the crowd that came to heckle and also be like, hail, hail, hail Satan. And like, there were people like where they were trying, like they had to have bodyguards, but like, and I remember watching videos from these hecklers being like, man, like they're still going. They were shocked that it didn't matter how much they did to try to intimidate, to try to like strike fear, to like make them feel stupid. They were, they were videoing going, I, I just don't get why they're not stopping. Christine. You know what I mean? And it was right. like in the midst, like you said, Christina of worship and, and, and like unity. So I think like, it's almost exciting for me to, to know, Hey, there's going to be resistance. Cause we're right now, I we're so busy fighting the church down the street and like and like being mad at each other for like your theology or you hurt me and you hurt me and I hurt you and blah blah like at that point there's going to be so much unity and solidarity I think in the church and it's going to be so powerful. And I think we're just like ready for like revival at that point, you know, to be able to yeah. steward that together as an yeah. actual family of God. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. <sighs>
0: Okay, so the, uh, while I'm, st- what, you, what, you, what you don't see if you're listening on podcasts is while I'm over here struggling with tech this morning, uh, the two Christinas are on fire and I'm so glad you guys are bringing the heat because I get to listen and work out stuff. But you know, I'm, it's crazy because you're right. You know, we're in the in the world around us, especially like, you know, our world, Christina, I, it is only like to me it is the silencing of our voice as believers and the and the hardening of our heart as mm-hmm. believers and the closing of our eyes as believers and the shutting of our ears as believers that has allowed the voice of satan to have any sort of amplification whatsoever because we all know that love is more powerful than hate it is And Jesus is more powerful than all of it. He's the ultimate definition of love. So anyone who hates him to me is like, why do you have such a problem with Jesus? He died for your sins, whether you know it or not, or whether you believe it or not, or whether you care or not. And he did it from love. And his whole thing is about love. And, you know, I love in The God Man, you know, in an interview with Bill Johnson from Bethel, um he's asked basically, but the Bible says all these hate things about, and he's like, what hate things? You know, it's like, well, you know, it talks about alternative lifestyles and whether they're wrong or not and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, yeah, the Bible talks about it. I, I don't, I don't have an opinion. I just believe the Bible. So what do I have to say? Get over it. It's what the Bible says. I mean, but it is very interesting because- You know, and I keep saying eventually, you know, they'll start trying to persecute the reading of the Bible in America as hate speech. And Mm. I saw an instance just this weekend of one school, one parent who wrote a letter saying, you know, this is hate speech and I don't want the Bible taught in class and blah, blah, blah. Now, of course, I, I, of course... I'm like, yeah, well, this is propaganda because what school in America is teaching the Bible in class anymore? Nobody in <laughs> schools.
2: Right. Yeah. It's been like, Are you lie. kidding me? Sin has
0: right. No. It, I'm like, yeah, and you can't ban it in a Christian school because they're private. You know. And this is, and when I think about just the lifting up of Satan, I mean, you guys, you know, we got into this a little bit last week, but I mean, listen, you know, and this this one person wrote in a comment when I said something about corporations needing to keep their opinions to themselves. And this comment I got said uh, on Instagram or something said, well, you know, corporations listen to, it's, it's their job to reflect culture and to listen to the community of their employees and the people around them and, and you know, and do what that, that majority voice wants and i i'm like dude it's not true you just, actually you just no no he just affirmed my point oh. the majority <laughs> voice around them does not want onesies that you can hide your you know tuck your child infant's gender away in the infant has nothing to do with this this is all about it's almost sick as a parent no it is i'm just going to say it. if you're a parent and you're sexualizing your child you're sick and your kid should be taken from you period that's it. Kids are not here to be sexualized. They're not for our entertainment pleasure. And that's the thing, one of the things that makes me nuts with all of this agenda is because corporations are not weighing in on what's good for children, on what's loving and kind for children. They're weighing in on what one or two whack jobs want. Like It's not a majority voice. I go to Target's, I used to go to Target. I don't shop at Target anymore and I won't be shopping at Target until Target issues an apology for letting a Satanist, a Satanist, an open Satanist, Google it. go Go find the person's website, a Satan loving, just like I'm here talking about I love Jesus. They're there talking about they love Satan and it's cool, it's America. You have at it with your I love Satan. But you know what? You don't get to talk about it in Target, designing infants' clothing that is just utterly against normalcy. You know, just not normal. It's not palatable. It's not what any of us really are asking for. And that's the thing. Why are, you know, I have a friend who's being persecuted right now as we speak. It was part of the weekend highlights for me. He is an incredible firefighter. And you know, in, in another state. I'm just going to put it that way. And you guys know that firefighters have a dangerous job. They risk their lives, okay? They run into burning buildings to take, to rescue people. I, I don't know, but since nine eleven, 11 firemen, for me, are just kind of like the heroes here in America. And this guy was told that he had to fly the gay flag in his fire station. Now, mm-hmm. I have I have gay family members, I have gay friends. I that's totally cool. But I did call one of my friends and I said, I'm confused. I know it's Pride Month, okay, and I get all that. But why would a fire state why would the fire stations be told that they have to fly the gay flag? We fly an American flag because we're a country. Since when did the gays become a country that these guys are being told to salute the flag? I don't care if it was the black flag, okay? This isn't about my love for gays. It's about my love and my sanity and my understanding that we're a country. That's why we fly the American flag here. You can't come from your country and fly any other flag here. And I would not go to South Africa or to England and be so rude and presumptuous as to fly an American flag and expect them to have to fly it and salute it too. That's wrong. So I don't understand since when do lifestyle choices that we all make get flags that we force people to fly? So mm-hmm. I'm like, so what about when Black Lives Matter comes to all these fire stations and says, you got to fly our flag, too? And then, by the way, I want the Girl Club flag flown. That's <laughs> it. I want to see our faces flying and I want all those firemen saluting us because we're one nation under Girl Club and we're now, I guess, equivalent to the country. and we're, I don't know what, like, it's crazy to me, you guys, it's crazy. <laughs> so when I ask you how you keep your boldness in Christ, like, I don't know. I mean, that's a serious question because I think the answer for me about how I keep my boldness is I've simply come to a place where I can't care more about the agenda of man mm-hmm. and Satan than I do about the agenda of God.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh that's right on. That I think yeah. I, I, what's interesting though is what, what you're talking about because there's like other things like Disney came out with like a a whole show about Satan and also I just like it's it's like so Wait, in your face. Is? Yeah, it's like it's yeah, like I'm an wondering. adult it's like an adult show but it's on Disney so that means kids can just go on and watch whatever they want but it's about Satan who has a baby with with a a human and then the baby is a girl, but it's a transgender girl. And she goes around killing people or something like I don't know. So anyways, oh but point gosh. is, it's just, it's so out there that me and my little Western, like free, like I can, you know, do I want. it's easy to be a Christian even. And, and like, and also like, you know, a big part of our fear of persecution is just the fear of man, you know, like, what are they going to say about me? Are they going to blah, 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 whatever. It's like, so not, not that legit, not that deep. But there comes a point, I think, when when darkness starts revealing itself for what it is so blatantly in your face that there that that it's I almost I'm grateful for it because there's now there's no more gray area. It literally is black and white. And you're just like, no, like enough is enough. We I I've been shopping at Walmart. And it's not fun. OK, Walmart. I don't like Walmart, but I will not step foot in Target for the time being, or I will unsubscribe to Disney for the time being. They have other good shows, but I'm like, there does come a point where I think like the standing for Christ and the resilience in Christ becomes easier as as the darkness gets darker and more in your face. Because we have Christ living in us. Like that that little like, well I can just get drunk on the weekends and like it's all good. I just go to church the next day. Like mm. it's not about that anymore. It literally is like everything is so confrontational that mm. I think it's it's making it's making it harder for people just to like stay on the sidelines or just be like, I'm just going to keep quiet. It's becoming too big. And I think that's yeah. a good thing. Cause I mean, now I'm like, no, absolutely not make fun of me. Call me a hater. I don't care. That is absolutely not okay. And like, we have, we have like the responsibility to protect our children and our communities, you know? Yeah. And then now I don't even know if it's even a Christian thing other than it really is like a, an actual, protecting and defending the weak type thing you know so but real quick but be other than that because that's just in my flesh like what I can do physically but I just want to reinforce what Christina said about worship worship is everything it changes our hearts it it pulls heaven down to earth it like changes the atmosphere of like your communities prayer and worship like we've been doing prayer and worship at the international house of prayer for like over 20 years, nonstop. And like the area has changed. Like the crime is down. Are people still getting shot? Yes. But in comparison to what it was 20 years ago, like things are shifting and like, and like, I feel like when I stay in that place of worship and prayer more than reading all the horrible news of what's going on, because I mean, it's just going to get worse. I feel empowered. I feel like I'm on the offensive praying just even praying in the spirit. You know I know we have something on the list that talks about consistently praying. Like I've really been getting back into praying in the spirit as much as I can because that unceasing prayer, it changes your insides Amen. and it changes the outsides. And then you start becoming a weapon like in the spirit, in God's hand and not just like I'm in a corner just like getting beat up on crying about it, you know, like, like worship is, I mean, worship and prayer is it, that is it 100%. Yeah. yeah. You, you're right. You know what, but Christina,
0: you're right. Because I mean, and, and let's just go there. So on this list of, you know, things that I found really will help you stay close to Jesus. The, the second one is, is, is a commitment to consistent Bible reading. And come on, you knew this suggestion was coming, right? Like God communicates his love, he communicates his character and he communicates his plan to us in his word, okay? In his word. So it makes all the sense in the world that if we wanna be closer to Jesus, we gotta spend time reading the Bible. We gotta spend time talking to him in his word because his word talks back to us and it it really does. And if you're a believer with a relationship with God, And his word, you know this. If you're the kind of a person who calls himself a Christian, like Joy Behar, then you think we're nuts because, you know, I mean, God, he thinks God talks to him. Like, I mean, that's a moment in time on television. I'll never forget when she mocked, um, I think it was Huckabee or Pence or someone Mm -hmm. for saying, you know, God talks to me. God talks to me too. I want him to talk all the time. You know, okay. Hey God, I'm about to jump off this cliff right now at all these issues I see that are wrong. And, you know, it's like, I get, I get filled with that. You know, in some ways I know when it's fleshly anger, Christina Reynolds, I know you'll get this, but I also know when sometimes when it's righteous anger that made God, you know, when Jesus turned over the tables for the money changers, like, what are you doing? Like you're making my father's house into a den of thieves. And I know what that anger feels like to look at the world and go, what is wrong with you people? Like there is a better way. And if you Mm -hmm. just try it, like try it, you know, you'll see that I'm right and everybody will get along, you know, and the world will be better. So for us, you know, we got to be mindful of the goal. And when we're going through periods where, you know, we're trying to know Jesus and love him more, and love him better and and really reconnect with our first love, then we got to read portions of scripture that focus on who he said he is and what he came to do. Who mm-hmm. is he and what he came to do? Well, it right. reminds me of an old right. song. Who is he and what is he to you? You know what I mean? Like, who is he? What did he come to mm-hmm. do? Like mm-hmm. Mike Bickle said it once, speaking of the House of uh, International House of Prayer um, Reynolds, like um, if you want to know Jesus, but if you want to know God, then look deeply into the face of Jesus and, and it's all right there. And, you know, you might want to memorize some passages like Philippians 2 verses 1 to 11 or Colossians 1, 15 to 23. Not going to read them right now, but all of scripture is God breathed and profitable to Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that, and it all ultimately points to Jesus. So it does that but it also can help to specifically refocus you and reorient you and your life around the ministry and the life of Christ. And that's our ultimate question here at girl club all the time. What would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. We're real girls having real talk about real issues, trying to figure out what would Jesus do?
2: You know, yeah.
0: how would Jesus yeah. love? Cause I want to beat these people or how would Jesus say this? Cause the words in my mouth are brutal. What would yeah. Jesus do? You know,
1: yeah you know cynthia like when i was in um i'm gonna be back in india next month but when the last time i went to india was in january of 2020 right before the world got shut down and when i was there i remember coming back because the missionaries there because they speak the same dialect as my mom invited me to go back there and be a long-term missionary and a part of me wanted to i was like yeah dude i would love to come here i would love to be a full-time missionary in India but the Lord spoke to me on the way back you know on the airplane and he said Christina your country is the biggest mission field right now that you could go to and I didn't understand what that meant Whoa. because um you know it was like right before like, covid got shut down but when I was in India I wanted to show you guys a picture of this like church right here it was like a beautiful church um this church was in a very it was in a village that was very uh, persecuted and it was in a Hindu area, and the the leaders of the church said that basically they they basically the model of their church was literally like the Book of Ezra and Nehemiah because they said that when they when they found a dirt lot to build their church when it was just a dirt foundation, they would meet every morning from four to six a m and pray and worship. Mm. then they laid the concrete foundation and they would still pray from four to six they would they built up the the sides of the building, you know whatever. And they still prayed from four to six. And up until when we got there, they were dedicating the building. But they said that the foundation of everything they did was prayer and worship. And they were in mm. like a deep fast. And I just remember meeting, you know, these amazing believers. And these are believers that get their lives threatened because they're Christians. They're in a the Hindu village. And they understand like that it costs them something to be a believer. And I think Mm -hmm. so many people now, like in America, we finally know it's finally costing us something to believe in what we believe. And Mm -hmm. when you, when it costs you something, like I know that every week, right? Like if like, even when there was mold in my house and I had to replace all my stuff, it cost me something. And so I valued it more. And so I think people will Mm -hmm. value something when it costs them, when it costs them something like high, like I'm sure like, You know, like the house that it's across the street from you and Roger, Cynthia, like it costs you guys to renovate that house and you value that house and you're not going to sell it to someone less than what it's worth. And I think the same thing with our faith. So many people treat their faith in the U.S. as something so cheap because it doesn't cost them anything. But now that it has finally cost us something here in the US, like it might cost jobs, it might cost, Mm -hmm. you know, reputations, it costs relationships, it costs friendships. But even when I was in India on the way back, I made a joke to my friend. I was like, you know, if I could get one of those believers at that church and bring him to California, they would probably light some neighborhoods on fire for the Lord because they were truly like they were warriors in that church, like this church warriors.
0: Mm.
1: Like they had some thick armor their fire burned so bright for Jesus, but that's normal there. If they Mm. were to come here and see the believers here, they probably wouldn't even see a fire. They probably wouldn't even see a flame. And, but though, what the Lord reminded me was, well, Christina, you could be that warrior here. You could burn as bright here. And honestly, when I look at that church in India, they don't have the distractions that we have here. Our distractions here, to be honest with you, television, movies, it's this right here, social media, (laughs) and so Satan may not. Satan's so crafty that all of those are just water on our flame, dude. Just water on our flame. Distractions distracting us Mm. from true worship. But these homies, four to six a.m. every day for like two years, they were committed. Their devotion was so deep. But to be honest. Most believers here, they don't have a devotion to Christ. In the U.S., I truly believe, Lord, forgive me, but when most of us stand before the Lord on Judgment Day, he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, it's real. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Re- it's real, dude. It's true. Like, A lot of people go to church on Sunday to clock in, and, and I might know who like, a celebrity is from afar, but it doesn't mean they know me. Uh, So a lot of people are like, yeah, I know Jesus, but like, does he know you? Like, does Jesus know you? And I could definitely say these homies, Jesus knows them.
0: Well, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Because, because they know Jesus because they're making, making their relationship with him priority. You know, you guys, I've been, I've been watching this weekend, the Hillsong the the new Hillsong documentary. Um, um, oh yeah, I heard about that.
2: Is it uh, is it is it Carl Lentz you came out with one, right? The, another one I heard.
0: Yeah, it's the Vanity Fair one. And apparently Carl and, and Laura, I don't even know if they're together, but apparently they're separated big time now from the Houstons. And oh. uh, Brian and Bobby Houston, who started the Hillsong movement. But it, it gets in, of course, to the whole... It gets in, of course, to the the truth of Hillsong and how Brian Houston's father was an alleged never a convicted, but a proven uh in in, in Royal Commission records and documents pedophile and had years and years and years and years and years of cover up and accusation and and it's I mean, I was watching it and my niece Summer, who's 23, who's with us sometimes, but she just got a late start from jogging today. But um, my niece was like, it's so dark. It's hard to watch it, Auntie. And it really is, uh, all of it. Even like Carl, he's owning stuff, but not. But there's, I just don't see, I don't see any repentance on any of these people. I don't see any forgiveness on any of these people. I don't see Jesus, you know, in any of this. And if the biggest light in the world, which for a time was Hillsong, right? If the the biggest light in the world goes out, it's a loss to the world. But if the biggest light in the world goes out because it was really part of the darkness, it's a great deception to the world and we all lose when we're deceived. And I look at what we are being given in America today, especially as Christians, is a legacy of deception. And we're those of us who aren't who who don't wake up, snap out of it and get bold about where we are, which I believe I try to do all the time through my ministry through the podcast through the TV shows through whatever it is I can do is to wake people up, to wake the church up because Mm -hmm. there've been far too many. I mean, look at our history. You guys There have been far too many old white men asleep at the wheel on Jesus. And it's exactly the vision that God called me into ministry with was to wake them up. You know, wake them up. We look to, we've looked to these men for years, m- many of us, for generations. We've, we've listened to the worship music they've given us. We've put them on pedestals. We've done all this stuff, you know, and the few women that might have been a part of it. And none of it represents the body of Christ. None of it represents, well, maybe it all represents the body of Christ. None of it represents Jesus as well as it should. And I believe that there is a remnant that wants to represent Jesus as well as we should. There is, we're not perfect, but in representing Jesus, we're the first ones to admit we're not perfect. I'm working on this because I think transparency is a big part of representing Jesus well. I gotta be real and transparent about my stuff before you guys so you can help me and pray for me to get better. I don't want to be stuck in a lifestyle that is sinful I want to be stuck in a lifestyle that is powerful, that is righteous, that is walking in the benefits and the promises of knowing Christ. That's mm. what I want for my life, as difficult as it is sometimes to feel you're achieving it. I know that's what we want. I know that anyone, if you've stayed with us this far in this broadcast, as mouthy as we are about what's wrong in this world and about what needs to be right, then you are are aligned. It's what you want too. You want to be better. I want my first love to be Christ, and I want it burning every day. And going back to what you said about prayer and worship, Christina Reynolds, like, man, I mean, even Paul encourages the church, you know, at Thessalonica to pray without ceasing. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. And, and, and I've asked myself what that really means. And what I've come up with in, in my years in walking out my relationship with Christ is that it is a good idea, de- sure, to have morning time for set prayer. You know, it starts to get into all these kind of trite things we do, right? But it's vital. It is vital to make prayer a completely natural part of your everyday life. Like as you go throughout the day, Try responding to events or turning events into quick little prayers. Literally, yeah. even if you're in the grocery store, you know, okay, God, I want grapefruit today. You know, help me to pick the right fruit. Help, you. Make him a part of all of it. You know, if you're feeling frustrated or anxious, just ask the Lord to strengthen and empower you and make it a habit to invite Jesus into your daily activities and experiences and in prayer, remind yourself, you know, to rely on him. I went through a season in my life where I set the clock on my iPhone. We can do this for every hour to give me an alarm every hour and in at the top of every hour, wherever it rang, right. Or in the middle of every hour, whatever I would stop and say a quick three minute prayer and eat and. it. And eventually it went from me praying for things I wanted or needed to me just going, hey, Jesus, it's check-in mm-hmm. time. I just want to say I love you. I just want to say that. thank you for the life you've given me. Right? I've already asked you 55 times <laughs> in each 24 cycle for that which I have need of. I'm yeah. out of even feeling like I could ask you because I just asked you an hour ago. So, right. Now, <laughs> I'm just going to sit with you and hang with you. Cause if Jesus really is your homeboy, he should be the coolest boy that you ever hang out with. Right. Yeah.
2: And that's what I mean by prayer though, actually. Like, yeah. like, I, I think, especially like if you get brought up in ministry, you know, there's a lot of different types of prayer. There's intercession, there's devotional prayer, there's warring in the spirit. I don't know. There's all these things, but like, um, so like being in ministry for so long, I got used to like, okay, prayer time. Now I'm going to pray. And you're right. Like, here's all my things of intercession. And like, I got to pray for all these things that are happening in the world. All these things are happening in my family. All these things are happening, like in this, this, that, the other. And then like, I realized if I just hung out with like you guys all day and said, Hey, could you like help me make sure that I pay my bills? Hey, could you like help me make sure that like we get this law? Passed? I mean, like what horrible, annoying people and friends would we be? And like, I think we do like miss out sometimes in that. in in the right heart posture of wanting to pray unceasingly, we miss out on just even prayer can sometimes just be, I'm sitting with him, I tell him I love him, or say, Hey, what are you thinking? And then you wait. You know, like a conversation goes two ways. And I have to constantly remind myself, oh, am I being like that annoying friend? Not that I think he's annoyed, but like like there's just so much more to prayer than just this like rigid like, get it done, check it off the list. Now you're holy. Now you're good. Like no it's all about relationship. And I've I've even recently been like, we've talked about this a lot on this podcast about like not being freaked out about like, I'm not perfect. I don't have it together. I struggle, blah, blah, whatever. But I've actually been like, when those things come up, I've just been like, I just feel this way. Tell them that. Like, I was just be like, I'm really depressed today. And I don't have an answer. I'm not going to try to find an answer. And then I let it sit. And it's like, I don't have to get A word from him. I don't have to have a solution. Sometimes all I needed was just to tell him that I was sad, and that leads me to the next conversation and the next conversation. And then before I like know it, like he's actually my friend. He's not like this guy that I put on up there. Though he is up there. Don't hear what I'm. Don't make this. You know what it's not. But but then there there there's intimacy now, and there's like friendship. Yes, I'm going to work for you. I want to honor you. I want to fearfully tremble before you. But the reason why Jesus is Jesus came is so we can be close. And I don't want to like forget that because it makes prayer and it makes worship enjoyable instead of being like, now we gotta do this. Now we gotta do that. Oh, now we're doing the right thing. And like, like a job. You know, I right. And here's the thing I could do that job for 20 years and never know him. Never and think that I did. That freaks me out that yep. freaks me out more more so
0: totally and and you say it so beautifully it's like don't get it wrong we're not trying to say we're not trying to take god off the throne up there he is high and lifted up he is above right but intimacy and knowing him and staying in love is this close it's right. pulling it really near to your heart it's holding on to it tight it's like it's it's near it's not far. And right. that is understanding that and living that out is everything. It's just everything, you know, because who you don't fall in love with your husband and then he goes and lives in another house. You, you draw him into your house. You know that he's your husband, right? It's like, you know, he's God. You know, he's high and lifted up because you have respect for him and you have a fear of the Lord that's healthy. You know, but yeah. when he's living with you in your house, in your heart, and he's walking with you and he's going through everything with you and you've taken him to the grocery store and you're taking him on your morning run and you're, you're, you're with him in the car when you're looking for a parking place, all of a sudden, you know, he's also your friend. He's your Lord. He's your protector. He's your savior. He's your provider. He's your God. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Cynthia, when I think of,
1: I mean, I'm not married, but I know with like Reynolds and you. Like, when I think of the love relationship you guys would ha- have with your husbands, I'm sure your husbands aren't okay if you guys have like them plus like another side gig, you know, because like any extra. <laughs> side
0: chick? No, no side yeah, like chicks. Any, no side yeah,
1: chicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like any extra like dudes that you're being romantic with, because why? That hinders intimacy and faithfulness with your spouse. And I think of, you know the story of Gideon in I think it's in first or second kings and and before Gideon you know took the people of Israel you know like out to war, the Lord told him like go into the center of the square and tear down their sureth and baal idols that the people of Israel were worshiping, you know God wanted to give them victory, but he wasn't gonna share that relationship that he had with Israel, that intimate place, he wasn't going to share that worship and adoration with anyone else. And so he went and he teared it down and he, you know, put a, um, an altar to the Lord. But I, I wonder in our lives as believers, like what is hindering our intimacy with the Lord? Mm. Like what a shirt, like we might not have like physical, like Baal and a shirt idols, but to be honest with you, like a, a couple in 2019, I spent Christmas in Malaysia with my mom's family and I walked into one of my cousins' houses who's a Hindu and he had a he had a, cro- a crucifix of Jesus, a painting of Jesus and then a bunch of Hindu gods. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I was like, "Do you believe in Jesus?" and he was like, "Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but he's just like one of the many gods." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "He is so okay with like Jesus coexisting with all these other like demonic idols." But to be honest, that's such a picture of so many of our lives now. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. many of us share the deepest parts of our adoration and with other physical gods in our life. But those physical gods that steal our time can, to be honest, sometimes with believers could be ministry. That's Mm -hmm. what I think happened with Hillsong. Ministry became an idol in our life that needed to be torn down. It could be Watching inappropriate shows and things constantly come on the screen, and the Lord checks you and is like, Hey, you probably shouldn't be watching that, but we allow it. That's an idol. It's music mm-hmm. that's inappropriate. It's relationships that probably aren't the most God fearing, right? But, and so I've had to take inventory in my life in this season where I'm like, Lord, what are the things that are hindering my intimacy with you, that are hindering my relationship with you? And, um, and the Lord has taken inventory, you know, in my life where I've had to realize that sometimes, like even friends in ministry that are amazing maybe not be the best and helping me with my race for the Lord, you know. Sometimes mm-hmm. like I live alone personally, and so I don't watch TV in my house alone because I usually do it with friends because I'm just it's so easy for me to just turn on the TV and maybe just numb out and watch TV for hours. And so I realize that when I'm home. I pick up my guitar and at nighttime I'm learning new worship songs or I'm on the phone with friends or I go for a walk or something. And so, I mean, everyone's different. I'm not saying you have to adopt that, but I just want to ask our friends out there today, like, Mm -hmm. what are the assured idols in your life? What are the idols that you have allowed to coexist with the crucifix of Christ in your heart? Like, what are the high places we have to tear down? You feel far away from God and it probably is because he feels like he's sharing that space with all these other idols in your life. And he's like, Hey, tear those down. And then I'll come in, you know? Mm. So.
2: That's yeah. good. Wow. It's really good. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I'm feeling that. I, I feel like that's like something yeah. that needs to happen, like seasonally, you know what I mean? Like every yeah. three months, every six months. Cause like, yeah. I'm even thinking like, they're like, like you said, you dropped the bombs, like it could be ministry things that sound good it could be like yeah. i mean it could be the ever i mean the pursuit of money we're in like an eco like in, here in the u.s we're like entering into a huge economic crash and like you can feel the fear you can feel the yeah. you know there's the want there's the lack and it's like yeah. it's easy to go okay god i trust you but like your eyes getting zoned in on like okay how am i going to provide and it's all fueled by good desire like good healthy yeah. desires but like what you're saying, like, Christina, like, it's so easy. It could just, it could even be the praise of man. Like, oh, I'm going to keep working to get this when he's going, would you just like, calm down, trust me. And I'll take it. Like, it, like, I'm really feeling what you're saying right now, because I think it's really relevant right now. And like, just the time that we're living in, you know?
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, t- speechless. Yeah. I mean, it's true. You know, it. it is, I think it's a beautiful thing to think about seasonally checking yourself before you wreck yourself, you know, like every, every couple months, every month. I mean, you know, okay, stop and go, God, I mean, i throw this on the list of things to help you stay close to your first love. And this one just came out of this conversation. But like, what are the things you're making an idol of that are taking the place of God because God can't be fully in on the throne if you've got things sitting on the throne with him. And Mm -hmm. I know, you know, I've had drama with a worker working out on the log cabin that I'm renovating out on our land, land that I know God blessed us with, right? Resources I know God blessed us with. And this person is, I mean, has used me, abused me, lied to me and, and everything else. But the reality is I make him my idol when I give him too much of my day. And he started my Mm -hmm. day with 19 text messages at like 6 a.m. And honestly, I think even learning to go not going there, top of the morning, going to pray, need some time with my with my real God before these little baby God distractions start trying to, you know, like pull me into a place where. And you guys know me like I am the easiest, most loving, kind person until somebody takes me there. <laughs> and then I'm struggling with the gates of hell you know, to not come out of me. It's like and especially with men, it's a button pusher with me. I was sexually abused as a child. If a man makes me feel like he's abusing me and raising his voice to me or talking down to me or demeaning me in any way. I'm going to cut him. (laughs) That's like, it's like, uh uh-oh, Pastor Cynthia is starting to resemble, you know, a a crazy demon in Linda Blair and the Exorcist movie. I don't (laughs) like abuse from men. I think it's horrible for men to abuse women, but there are a lot of, there's a lot of that out there. And, you know, that's another conversation for another time, but it's why I think the sexual revolution was such a, it was such a lie You know, when we think about all the lies and the deception we're being sold that are pulling us away from where we need to be as people in Christ and as a nation, as nations, think about that revolution that told women basically, you can have sex like a man, you can behave like a man, and you're empowered, and it's all good. And then that coincided with the rise of birth control. So now all of a sudden, You can have, you can use birth control. You can now have sex without consequences. Who wants sex without consequences? Predominantly men. So women went right along with it. I can have sex without consequences. Oh, oh, okay, sister. You want that? Now, by the time we get all the way over here, it's like Romans like, okay, you wanted your sin. I gave it to you. Now, look where you are. You're killing babies. You're having sex without consequences. There's no real understanding of the sacredness of sex. And you're God's daughter. You're supposed to have commitment and you know sex within like within loving boundaries and all of this stuff. Yet, so what do we do as women? Well, we fall in love, you know. So we call it love because then it makes it okay for us. So it's like, you know, the old saying: women use. Sex for love, because that's what they want. Men use love for sex, because that's what they want. And it's all outside of what God created for us. And when we're outside of what God created for us, we're inside of the trap that Satan set for us. And that is all I can say about that today. But in your pursuit of your first love, you got to get back inside of the things that you need to do and the people you need to be around who help to build that in you. Cause faith is a muscle. You got to flex it and use it and work it out. And so I think we're going to end right there today. Cause I know my two Christina's have to go and conquer the world and I want them <laughs> to go and conquer the world because they are doing good things. And I love all of you guys. We love you. Um, thank you guys for, for being in studio today. My, my two Christinas. It like, sounds like a rock band, the two Christinas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, anyway, to all of you watching, uh, thanks for joining us this week. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Um, hey, if you're not following us on social media, you guys, please go follow us on social media. Help us to get those numbers to places where we start to get more advertising offers, which would help us to sustain Girl Club because those could be donations. You know, we need that. I know I don't ever talk about it, but we do. It would be lovely if the girls that really strive to bring you the gospel every week in such a real way could be blessed. So I'm Cynthia Garrett. We're just real girls having real talk about real issues while trying to apply some real faith, guys. That's it for this week. Peace out.